Okay. Thank you for coming out or hanging out for the podcast and set. Um, Woo! Yeah! Yeah! Our scheduled guest, Jonathan Grant, couldn't make it because he's in the hospital sick with the flu. Uh, but in the spirit of the show must go on, uh, we're going to pick a random member from the, the audience to do the podcast and set with. Yeah! Uh, So I've got a little stack of names here. I'm going to take this one. Paul Kane. Hey. Yeah, so you, can, you can take those, I guess. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Why are you so sorry? You just had a lot of great options out there tonight. Ah, oh, well, it was the fates chose you, Paul. So you're. You're Paul Kane. Yes. And you're actually in my one of my workshops right now. Mm-hmm. I'm a student of yours. Yes, you are. Currently, yes, you are. Uh, so, who are you and what do you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of answers. Uh, no, I'm, I'm Paul. I'm 29. Uh, I'm from Southern California, and I've just started to uh, do improv action in the past uh, six months. Oh, wow. So, you're, you're just starting. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm very green. I'm very... I'm a new... Yeah, you're doing real solid for someone. I mean, it's six months, you know, if it helps. <laughs> the first four years, uh, I was worse than you currently are. <laughs> uh, so you're way ahead of me. For, <laughs> for, no, well, you weren't, you weren't there. <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't pretty when, when, when I started. Um, yeah, you're already doing real nice, solid stuff. Uh, how you been enjoying the uh, the work? Because I mean, I'm kind of uh, mathy, right? Uh, for someone who's six months in, that's more generally usually it's the hey, that was great, yeah, Try it again, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's been it's been really great because so I've had you, and then I had, uh, and I'm also taking a class with Mr. O'Connell, Brian O'Connell, right now, and then I took two with uh, Emily Candini, and so those are two you know def- different approaches to it. So it's been really cool watching. Emily come from a total character, personal, right. like everything self-motivated. Right. But your style, because it's so mathy and, yeah, or just like position-based and whatnot, I'm a big reader and I write a lot, so it, I actually am understanding and how to break things down a lot quicker because of your approach, I'd say. That's right, because actually the, the, the workshop you're in with me right now is the two-person workshop. Right. Where I'm only touching on that stuff. Right. Whereas in the, in the, in the normal course of the, the workshops, you'll get it. Uh, you, oh, you're taking Brian. Is Brian teaching you the, the, the yeah. four scenes? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. So that's my stuff. So that's, right, exactly. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Have you, have you taken anywhere else? No. This is it. Wow. <laughs> so, again, I'm really so sorry we, that you picked my So, we, no. So, we we built you. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, what, what, what you're doing is all ours. Um, no, that's great. Uh most people, I would think, starting out wouldn't come here. It's a horrible thing to say on your own fucking <laughs> podcast. I'm just saying because there are the big names in town. The Grounding, Second City, right. UCB. Uh, I mean, how, how did you wind up here? Um, a recommendation from my girlfriend, um, Amy Hessler, who took uh, a class years last year, I think. Well, thank you, Amy. <laughs> and uh, No, I have um, I, a lot of my close friends are improvisers, um, and they do it all around town. And so I've been a lot, like the past set five years, I've been watching like a ton of it and just 
hanging out with a ton of improvisers. So, you know, a few friends from Chicago, so they kind of came out here already formed or, you know, already with their, like, learning done. And right. then a buddy, and then a buddies are done with the West Side Comedy Theater. So I essentially just this summer, like, wanted to try it. And I didn't, the other, the other, all the political aspects of it I had known about because I'm friends with all these people. Right. So those, those all kind of turned me off. And I was just like, I just want to go somewhere where there's, like, no bullshit, no zip, zap, zop. Just, like, they're just going to, like, put us, like, right in front and, like, just start drilling us right away. And Amy was like, oh, go to, go to Miles Straff. It's like, it's like, it's zero bullshit. It's just, like, straight into it. That's, you know, been advertised, yeah. (laughs) That's great. It's funny you were saying, even watching it for some years now, I'm thinking that's, God, that's got to be such an advantage because there's so much good play now uh, around town to see. I'm just, I was just, it made me remember, it was like, Oh, I watched it. Oh, that's right. But there wasn't any to watch, really. There was, to me, there was right. only you know a couple shows in town in Chicago back when I started. Yeah. So I couldn't. I mean, what I could watch was like Second City, but that's not that's not improv, really. Right. Um. So that's got to be a great advantage to players nowadays, because I, I always say, I always I talk quite often about how much how you learn just from watching. You watch good shows, you watch bad shows, mm-hmm. your mind processes what works, what doesn't seem to work. It, it all becomes part of the training. Um, what's your background outside of improv? Um, a lot of beer. Uh, a lot of beer? <laughs> a lot of alcohol in my life. No, I'm a, I'm a waiter. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you a teetotaler? <laughs> you sober? A teetotaler. <laughs> I wouldn't disrespect my drinking by calling it teetotaling. <laughs> I actually had to think for a second. Does teetotaler mean you don't drink? It means or you don't you... drink, yeah. Oh, it means you don't yeah, drink. Yeah, it's like the 19th century, early 20th century. You're a teetotaler. Yeah, it's like the fancy way of saying you can't handle your booze. I'm glad it came up off stage. Uh, <laughs> teetotaler. Because I heard it and I was like, teetotaler, that sounds like someone who doesn't drink. But I think it's an expression that means you drink. Maybe ironically. All right, is it? Anyone know? Anyone? Tea. No. Yeah, there's... Tea. Oh, you drink tea. Yeah, tea, all right. Yeah, yeah it makes so, so it's just, just what it fucking sounds like. You're right. Uh, I, I, I should have gone with what my brain told me uh, instead of trying to... No, I, I, those words can't mean what they mean. They'll mean something else. Uh, so, so, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've done my share of, of the drink. So, aside, aside from beer. Um, yeah, I grew up... Uh, playing a lot of sports and watch a lot of movies, read a lot of books, talking a lot. Right. And so I'd bug you all my family members. Twenty nine, though, right? You're right. Yeah. So, so I, what have I been doing as an adult? Well, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, like, like, I, like well, <laughs> how do I pay the bills? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. What you, you college? You work? Yeah. Again, I went to college and I drank a lot and uh, played a little soccer in college growing up, and then um, and then I've been working in restaurants since college. All right. So that's, what was your degree in college? English. That's a great degree. Uh, yeah, no, it no, is. I, I mean, I like reading a lot, so that works out. No, but I mean, that's a, the, I've, I've always been, been told, and it seems to be true, that if you're an English major, uh, you, you know, your primary skill is being able to learn, because you can read. Yeah. You're good at reading, so you can learn. Almost anything. My wife was an English major. She gra- graduated, I believe, magna cum laude at USC, uh, and, and, and now she's a senior relationship manager for Mass Mutual. Right. She, she was a temp at John Hancock and decided she wanted a, r- a real job. And so then she just, they hired her and she took a test, took another test, read, wow. studied, 
And now you know, it's, it has nothing to do with, I mean, she's an English major. Right. She, she, she was a, a theater person too, but, but she can learn anything. What did you study? Did you go to college? I went to two years uh, of undergrad. Okay. Uh, because I barely graduated high school. Uh, I graduated high school with a 167. <laughs> is, uh, that gra- <laughs> is that graduating? <laughs> that is graduating. <laughs> it's, yeah, I graduated in the top 75% of my class. Uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, I just never, I mean, cause I, I, in high school, I ran into the problem of, I came in, like, I went to a Catholic grammar school. Okay. Uh, and I did okay in Catholic grammar school. Well, a, a, probably ABC student. Uh, I was a, you know, I, was, I think I was, I think I was a bright child, but I went to high school and I did this summer musical where I met all these seniors who were cool and didn't go to school a lot. And I thought, you can just not go to fucking school? Because <laughs> it was a public high school. Right. Um, so it wasn't nearly as, as strict or as o- overseen as a, a, a Catholic one. Uh, and you know, I just started not going to classes. He was like, and, 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 and they fail you for that. Because I, <laughs> I, 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 I would show up Assholes. and you know take a test. I don't think I ever did worse than maybe a, a C or so on a test. But uh, it's like they just, I, I remember one class, I, I liked the class. I just missed a bunch of them, but I did A work. I did all the work. Right. I turned it all in, A work, took the test, got like A, Bs on them. Guy failed me. Because you didn't show up. Okay. And, and actually, he failed me just because I missed four. I, 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 Is it I, high school? Yeah. I remember that now. I, I missed four classes. Uh, and he, that's it. You failed. Where was this? Uh, it was Oak Park River Forest High School in Oak Chicago. Park, Illinois. Oh. Yes, like, yeah, it's Chicago, right? It's like the first suburb west of Chicago. So you... So then you... So I was, I was a terrible high school student. Uh... It was basically four years gone to waste. Uh, I got out of high school. And I'm not going to college because, hey, one, six, seven. Right. Um, and it was actually a, a, a mentor of mine, a guy by the name of John Lawler, Jack Lawler, uh, convinced me. Because I used to hang out in this deli where I talked to these old smart guys. Uh, really smart guys. I mean, guys that were like PhDs and like, you know. German and philosophy. Like retired guys? No, they, they, some retired, some did different things, some taught at universities. Okay. But they used to hang out in this deli and they, they were amused by, you know, me and a few a few of my friends. So we would hang out with these guys and argue and talk. Yeah. And, uh, that's when I started, I mean, that's what made, you know, their ability to dance with knowledge made me want more knowledge. That's what yeah. made you want to learn. Yeah, that, that's what made me want. And he, he, he got me once. Because I was like, I'm not going to college. I was like probably 19 at this point. Mm. I'm not going to college. I'm not out of high school for a year. Not really doing nothing. He's like, he's like, tell me something. Why do you study math? And I'm just like, because you need to know math. You know, you got to make change. Shit like that. You know, it's like dumbass 19-year-old answer. He's like, no, Miles. You study math because it maps over the universe. And I was like. Oh right, <laughs> right. That I'm I'm dumb. I'm dumb. So I went to I went to DePaul University. It's it's funny to me because how'd I, you get in with like well, that shitty GPA? There you go. You just don't apply because people want your fucking money. Uh, I didn't apply, so technically I wasn't a uh, a registered student. Okay, but I took a full a full curriculum of English major classes. Okay, like I. No, I took them. You, oh, you, wow. you can take the classes. You're just technically not a student there because you didn't apply. It's basically you're called a non-degree seeking student. Right. 
So I'm basically, I'm not seeking a degree, so they don't have to worry about how well I do, but they can take my money. And my plan was, I'll just do four years, I'll finish my entire curriculum, and then apply. And say, like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? I, I finished the whole curriculum. Had you met anyone who'd done that? Uh, no. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just figured that would work. Uh, and I, 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 mean, I wish I had done it just to, just to see, because, like, how do you say no to that? It doesn't right. make any sense. No, you're, you couldn't handle our, I already did. Uh, but actually, I, I, dropped, I, I dropped out after two years. The first year, I took, like, a regular freshman load of stuff, okay. right? A, a spread of stuff. And I, I, I did fine. It was pretty much all... A, B work. Uh, and then the next year, I was like, that, that stuff was boring. And that's partly why I did so poorly in high school. Um, so then I took like all graduate level English courses, uh, like 18th century literature and shit like right. that. Right. Uh, and I was doing all, all A, B stuff in, in, in there. But then I started running into this thing that they had to think it's a Paul, this political correct thing. They had, they had a manual for political correctness. Uh, what does that mean? It means you couldn't say man or mankind because the, the word man was in there. No shit. So you had to say humanity uh, or you know, people. You had, you had to find a way. It was, it was really, I was like, this is a university saying you can't. And I'm just like, you know, I remember at the time I was like, so I couldn't say one small step for man. I would have to say one small step for humanity. And I'm just like. That's okay, but the first one sounds better. It's more hourly pleasing. Right. I'm just like, you're, you're, you're basically saying, I, there's so much classic literature, so much great literature mm-hmm. filled with this language, and you're saying, no, it's all wrong. And, there, and then I, I started to get into big arguments with my teachers, which made my writing start. I would start putting shit in my writing. I remember I barely, <laughs> I, I got downgraded a grade and a half. I did, I did a solid A final presentation paper for 18th century literature. Uh, and I wound up getting a B minus because the opening of the paper, I, I described, uh, oh, I can't remember her name now. It was a woman author from the 18th century. Was it Dryden? No. Shelley? No. I, but I, 18th century? 18th century. Oh, but, but, but whatever. I, I, I accurately described her, but in, I, I said, I, I had set up like a buffet sort of uh a deli Met- spread metaphor uh, for the opening of the paper. I-, I described her as that menopausal-looking bitch who chained herself to the buffet. Uh, now, Jesus. this was completely unnecessary. And then I immediately, I, parentheses, please excuse the phrase menopausal-looking bitch. Uh, nothing else quite seemed to capture it. B minus. Uh, I'm surprised you got a B. Well, no, well, to, no, to me, because then there's the paper, which is the the rest of the paper was just scholarly, right? Right. But that was me saying, fuck you uh, for this agenda you've got here. Because uh, to me, that that's censorship. I mean, you grade me down like that based on that phrase, you're censoring me. Um, and I, I said that, I, I, I call out a teacher and say, I said, isn't this censorship? Oh, oh, let's not talk about censorship. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm an English major sitting in an English class, and I just accuse you of censorship, and you're laughing it off. I, I, I don't know if I could accuse you of anything worse. That's like that professor in Missouri who's in charge of media studies who for kicking off the television camera. Off of, that happened a couple weeks ago. There were protests at University right. of Missouri, and the head of – or the uh, lady who teaches 
uh, media relations kicked a television crew off campus for, <laughs> for, for like, she just like, cause she knows what they're going to fucking censored do. The mass media, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was, and it's, what was funny was, uh, so my time there is coming to an end. It's a long fucking story. Uh, but this deli I'm sitting in, cause these guys were, you know, just brilliant men. And I, I bring them everything that I learn in school to them. Uh, and, and when they run into this, this stuff, they're like, that's bullshit. <laughs> and like one thing she said, like, nope, you're, you won't get published if you, if you don't write, if you, if, if you write like this. And they gave me a list of local people who've been published of like basically everyone they knew. Like, here's, here's a bunch of people who've been published, none of whom disagree with this. Right. What next? What's your next thing you're going to tell me? And these guys were getting probably a kick out of it because they're just arming me, this 19, 20 year old Shit. kid to the teeth with arguments to take down this department. Uh, and I wound up in an argument with the head of the department to the, to the point when he said, well, that's just our policy. And when I heard that, I was like, I'm done. That was, that was the moment I was like, no, that's just your policy. You're gonna quote. You're you're gonna throw that at me. Had you discovered improv at that point? No, no. I was just in, just trying to learn some stuff in college. How um, long after that did you fall into improv? Ah, after that, I think I so I drop out of college. Then I'm back to not doing much. <laughs> <laughs> and then at some point, uh, I wind up taking a workshop at the at the Players Workshop in Chicago which was like a really remedial improv training place that you have to take in order to audition for the Second City Training Center in Chicago. Uh, and I was there for about six months when I was 20, and then I was hit by a car, and it shattered both my legs. And it laid me up in a, house, in a bed for like a year. I was, I was, I was in casts for like a year and a half. Jesus. Uh, and in that time is when I figured, you know what? I should probably do something. That is something, right? And so when I got out, I said, I'm not, I'm not going back to the players' workshops. I wasn't really enjoying that. I'm, I'm just going to see if I can audition for Second City. And I had to get my high school theatrical uh, director to write me. And he was a great guy, James Eitrum. Uh, uh, he, he since passed. But he, he wrote me a wonderful letter of saying, this boy should be able to audition for your training center. And that got me the audition for the Second City Training Center, uh, which got me in. Actually, I auditioned with Rachel Dratch, among others, and she didn't get in. Uh, just another classic story from Second City about someone who just didn't get in. Who she, she, she got in eventually, and it's like, there was no real reason for her not to get in. It was sort of random the way they were doing it. What was the of effort? course, now when I look back at it, it's like the idea of having to audition to take that training center is bullshit anyway. Uh, what was the audition like? It was, you know, here, you know play, play an emotion. Do, do three characters through, through, through the door. Play this short form game. It was just basic basic stuff um it was you know but that that was their process so that's, that's when i started I, I, I had two years of second city got my t-shirt still wasn't any good uh and a guy in my class told me about the traveling sort of group that was the improv uh olympic back then uh with sharon and dell and i went and saw a show there and so like there was i was done with second city and they weren't hiring right so i was okay i'll go here and that is when I started to improvise. That's that's when it began for me, really. Right. Uh, and I still sucked for another good while. 
Uh, at that point, there was how, like how much would you say good improv was there to, to seek out in Chicago at that point? Like, if you wanted well, to go see any, bike. Well, it's just but, but there was literally like two different. There was the the Metroform then. I'm not sure if they were the annoyance yet. They were doing shows. That was a different style. Uh, the Improv Olympic put up shows maybe a couple nights a week. Right. Uh, there was nothing else really going at that point. Um, it wasn't like, you know, now you can't throw a fucking brick without hitting an improv show somewhere. Right. Uh, and it, you got to throw bricks. <laughs> uh, no, so there, there wasn't a lot to see. <laughs> but, if, but, 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 if, but if there was something to see, I was there. I mean, right. I was, if, if, it was the annoyance or, or IO or, you know, I'd try and watch anything I could because that's when, it, you know, as Paul Valencourt said out here, that's when I caught fire with it. That's when I, <clears throat> I was like, I'm going to do this like forever. It's like, I, I just knew it. Was there one specific improviser, like watching them work? You're like, I want to be that part. Like, is there one like, do you have a specific idol or just, just want to be part there of the There was group? a bunch of them back then. I mean, the team, Blue, Blue Veldita was the house team at, at, at IO then. And on there, you had, you know, Jay Leggett, rest in peace, Jay, uh, taken too soon. Uh, Mitch Rouse, uh, kidding, Brendan Sullivan, uh, Brian Blondell, Kevin Dorf, Susan Messing, Tom Booker. I don't think I, I don't think I missed anyone. I hope I didn't. Uh, they were by far the best team. Uh, for my money, they're still the best strict Herald team that's ever played. Uh, and they were all good. I mean, I, th- I think in, in particular guys, and other guys that were there that weren't on that team, like Brian Stack, Brian McCann, uh, Noah Gregoropoulos, uh, Scott Robinson. Uh, I mean, these were guys that just, you know, <laughs> this so many names that were ahead of me. Uh, Pat Finn, Pete Gardner, uh, Dave Keckner. Uh, and I'd watch all, you know, I'd, I'd watch all these guys and just basically, just try and steal. Right. Basically, I know I, I was like, I want what you're doing. So I'd sit there and watch, go, what's he doing? What, how did he do that? And I'd sit there and think about it for hours. Like, how did he come up with that? You were telling us about Kegner the other day that he would just like base a character off of. Oh yeah. He could, he, <laughs> yeah, well, he would yes so strongly that he wouldn't have to end. His yes would be so strong, and actually, when I when I, I when I analyze it now, I'm just like, oh, what he would he'd yes himself into a character, and that's the addition. It's like he's now a, a full blown character instantly, um, and he's you know he's one of the big he's a huge driving force of the of that sort of golden age, what I consider to be a golden age of improv in in, in Chicago. Uh, I forget what they called him. They called him Hollywood or whatever. He was he he, he always had bits, uh, but no, he was he was he was a monster. There were so many good players. Just Dorf was such a good player. Susan Messing was such a good player. Uh, Mitch Rouse, I think I think Mitch was the one I think I wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, because he he always it's funny because I dressed like him for years after I yeah you because know, he wore a black shirt and black jeans and you'll you'll find old pictures of me black shirt black jeans. Right, that's what Mitch is wearing. That's what I'm wearing. Um, and some players like a guy like Brian Stack, he's one of the guys that's like, I would say like 95% of what I've ever seen, mm-hmm. I can tell you where it came from, right? I can look at it and go, all right, here, I can see how you would arrive at that idea. Whereas Brian Stack would say shit that would just infuriate me because it would be hysterical 
And I'd, I'd, I'd go home and be like, why would anyone's mind get to that? Why would anyone's mind do that? Uh, fuck that guy. Uh, for just like opening scenes or just in the middle? It's, it's, like anything, it's just all the time. Just, you know. And, and also, even worse is he's like the nicest person in the world. Right? I mean, he's, he, he really is. If there was a contest, you'd have a hard time to find the person who is nicer than Brian Stack. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here getting pissed about it again. Um, <laughs> you're, turning, you're turning red. Uh, but yeah, this, this, it's, well, that, that, that was a great time to come through. There were so many good people to watch. Uh, but then eventually you start making it your own. Uh, and actually, the people who you once admired, you then start sort of felt competitive with. And it's like it's, you wanted to not just be them. You wanted to be a step ahead of them. Right. Right. So it was, you know, it was a great time to, 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 to come through. Um, I'm so glad you're, you're starting here. Um uh, just something I, I like to think we're creating a nice little community. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I hope the, the players get the sense that we actually give a shit about them. Uh, and I just like the idea of someone, no, he, he was here first. So <laughs> if you get him, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you just, you just, you just started. And really, I mean, for, for six months in, you're doing great. Uh, even from like day one of class to day two of class, you were better. Right. Uh, <laughs> and you get, you get, you know, when I, when I give you notes, you get them. Uh, so, so let's see. Is it, I did not intend for this to be me, the Milestone story hour. No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to say it's much. More I mean, no one wants the Paul Kane story. So you, uh, story so you bartended a bunch. Right, bartend, wait tables, wait tables a lot. Collegiate jock, yeah. Right, drank a lot in college. Got your English major, barely. Yeah. Probably not magna cum laude. No, no, right, but you got it. So that's, that's still a good degree to have. Uh, I really, I mean, I respect the hell out of that degree. Um, bartending a bunch, drinking some more, and what? And then, what sort of you? What you, you? What made you want something more? Yeah, um, just. Because I've been, you know, because I've been waiting tables. Like, essentially, when you're in the service industry, especially in L.A., like, I, I worked for a few years in San Francisco before I moved down here. Everyone's doing something else. Like, that's the obvious right. type. So, that's, like, negative, but it's also <laughs> it's also positive. Like, no one in the service industry is there to, to be in the service industry. And if you meet people that are there to be in the service industry, they're the worst. I'm sorry. Oh, here I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just thinking because the, the idea that makes me, me think of it with what you're describing is like, so if, if you're a waiter in LA who's just a waiter. Yeah. Right? That's the saddest fucking thing. <laughs> right? Because, well, I'm, I'm just saying it's because like, everyone, oh, here's my waiter. He's probably an actor. No. No, I'm not. I'm that I get that conversation waiter. all the time. But, all, but that happens all they get so sad. But now you can say, oh. "Well, I'm taking." Now you can be the usual asshole waiter who right. tells them about the classes you're taking in this. And, and and as we speak, I imagine you've already started your pilot. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. Already started writing it. Get get it written. No. Um, no. I just love that. The, the waiters. I, 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 I had never thought of that. That's just funny to me. It's like a waiter in L.A. who's not also trying to be an actor. He's just, just a waiter. They would get confused. I used to have really long hair, uh, like stereotypically right. kind of beach bum hair. So I would wait at a place that a lot of tourists come in and saw these like German 
these European tourists would come in and go, oh, you are, you are a surfer. And I would, I'd like, I don't surf. And I would tell them I don't surf. And they would just get like <laughs> so sad and disappointed that their <laughs> LA waiter wasn't a, a surfer. Their face would drop and they'd be like, the nothing else. the same exact fucking thing. It's at the so same, like, at the same, at the same sad bit. Yeah. It's like, it's, like, it's a sad existence. I, I, I love the idea. It's just, it's, I should write this up. Then you have someone who goes through life. They keep doing things like I'm a waiter. I'm not, I'm not going to be waiting anymore because I'm not an actor. Like I'm just going to grow my hair out and get tan and hang out at the beach, but not be a surfer. <laughs> what else? What else could I do that looks right? I I, I kind of join a crowd. They're like, I'll, I'll, I'll buy a bowling ball and cut my hair short, and I'll go hang out at the bowling alley and not wear, bowl. I can wear a new ba- I can wear New Balance shoes and then not run ever. <laughs> Oh yeah, there I you do, go. I do that as well. I own a lot of New Balances. And I, I never run anymore. <laughs> I'm a sad shell of a man. <laughs> but you're doing great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no, you really are. That. And I, I, I think you are here. Uh, and this ship will probably, hopefully, do all the wonderful things for you that it does for so many people. Uh, any questions for Paul? <laughs> or questions at all? Anything? No, you, you get all right here. Yeah, all right. Say you're writing a pilot? <laughs> <laughs> he is now. <laughs> you want me to tell you about what's, what's it about? Uh, sad salesman. The sad, uh, I, cause I've worked, the only other job I've worked outside of service was I did six months as a, uh, commercial insurance broker, a commercial insurance brokerage. And so that's like the most salesy sales job. Like in the, like you spend all day on the phone right. to get to someone in person, uh-huh. to meet them five times, to get like, it's the fucking worst. So I'm trying to write like a funny satire about that. All right, great. About sales. It's like, yeah, that's the only thing I could say is worse than, than restaurant work is. Well, put that English degree to work and write it. I mean, you know, write it. Write, write all the time. Write, You've done any sales write work? anything. What? You've never done any sales work? Yeah, I've done some sales work. <laughs> I've had a bunch, I've had a bunch of shitty jobs in, in, in my life. Um, uh, I, what's funny to me is like I've always had a fairly deep voice, so I was I was I was thinking I was 19 and I got a job telemarketing telemarketing, but I was I was doing I was a salesman, right? But I would also telemarket, and on the phone, I'm yeah. this person was talking to an adult that they were willing to spend fifteen thousand dollars on a new office phone system, right? Oh, Which yeah. is what I was doing then. I'd show up all 19 in my tweed suit. <laughs> and, you know, I'd encounter some 50-year-old man who would look at me and be like, I'm not interested in this anymore. So you talk, you call them on the phone first and they think they're like... Well, yeah, that's, that's, you, 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 that's how you... you, you right. Call so, them on the phone, you... Uh, so they would assume, like, a full-grown adult would be walking in. They would assume the person matched the voice, <laughs> right? Because uh, I, I sound like I'm probably a full-grown man, but I, no, I'm just 19 with a low voice. Uh, so that, that didn't work out. But that, I mean... It was something. And then, actually, for a while, I just telemarketed for that company, which yeah. made more sense. And I passed off the leads to people who were adults uh, and could actually close the deal. I think the, I think one of the funnest jobs, shittiest jobs ever, I, I helped, it was just, just for like a week. And I helped some guy for six bucks an hour install used x-ray equipment. And he had to load up a van with used x-ray equipment. Equipment that Chicago, sounds, that sounds and then dangerous. drive like to Wisconsin and find some small doctor's office and install this old X-ray machine in his office. 
And old x-ray machines are like all lead and steel. Right. <laughs> so like everything weighs 200 pounds. That was, I just remember the guy was like, hey, pick that up. Just some box that looks like it's, you know, a box. I, 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 all right. I got to go to pick it up and it slips out of my hands. He's, <laughs> it's a 200 pound lead weight. Right. And I was like, oh, you got me. There's something in that box that, it that's, that's heavy. My back. Yeah, yeah. You got me. I didn't know it was in that box. I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great game and a great guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a, a nice enough guy. But I remember it was like a week of like 12 to, to, to 18 hours a day. And I was like, fuck this. Six bucks. I mean, six, it, was a, it was a nice little check at the end of it. But then I, where's the rest of your life? Right. You just, you just you go there. You, you sleep in the van on the way back from fucking Wisconsin. You wake up and you go back. Uh, I've helped my dad move his lab a couple times. He's a he's like a gorilla biochemist. He like runs. It's weird. Uh, so he's, so your dad's super smart. Yeah, he's he's and he's like dyslexic too. So he's like in mm. biochemistry because he couldn't read. Okay. And then got his doctorate and he taught himself how to read and write essentially to do his dissertation. He's he's way smarter than me. He's a really smart guy. But no But that's he, in there then. I mean that's that's part of you. Yeah. I mean in a much smaller, like diminished capacity. Yeah, that's you selling yourself short. Now you should meet this guy. He's pretty smart. But he's just saying, <laughs> he's really impressive. He's no, really I didn't impressive. get any of those jeans. No, I just got my dumbass mother's jeans. <laughs> What's your mom do? She's a doctor. She's a doctor. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, what I see, what I see, I think your parents will. I'm going to call your parents right now. <laughs> they're very. Trust me, they're very disappointed. I bet they're not. Um, you tell them you're doing this now. Your prof? Yeah. I think I mentioned it. It's been like, because you know, I only see them a couple times a year, like, you know, well. Right. We meet up as a family a couple times, even though they live close. Nothing makes a parent prouder. Nothing in the world. Yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, exactly. Makes a parent prouder. I've, I've been to shows where my friends doing improv, parents see them do improv for the first time, and I've seen how bad that can get, because like... If you're doing stand-up comedy or something, you at least have like a gauge on what is being produced. Right. I saw my friend go up there and had, had performed in front of his girlfriend's grandmother for the first time. Uh-huh. And his buddies got there and like they just went blue from the jump. Like just right. like he had this 75-year-old Cuban woman who like def, you know came to this country in dire conditions to live. And they walk out and they're <laughs> just like asshole, prolapsed anus jokes, like just dis- and it just like long it just was bad. So I'm not Nana, this yeah, is my boyfriend. Yeah, Abuelita was not happy with, <laughs> with little Joseph afterwards. All right. Uh all right, I think that's all, all, all the time we have. Uh we actually we ran a little bit late on this. So let, let's get up and do a set. Let's do it. I have to remember how to stop this.